attitude that we walk through life with matters because it lays the foundation for how we treat one another and what we say to one another. When we foster kindness and generosity within ourselves and when we assume the best intentions in other people, then we treat one another and we speak to one another in manners that reflect these values. On the other hand, when our hearts are full of anger or negativity or criticism, and when nothing is ever right and no one is ever good enough, then we tend to inflict these feelings upon other people as well. We are often better at identifying and expressing what it is that we are against and do not like, rather than what we're for. This seems particularly true in the worlds of religion and politics, which is pertinent for us here at Christ Church, as we're a church that's located at the heart of our nation's political system. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu is credited with saying this, Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Scripture is full of wisdom that echoes this sentiment. Our culture might not hold us to a high standard for cultivating our inner life, but Jesus does. He believed that there's more to life than being angry and critical and opposed to everything. We get to choose which feelings we feed in our souls. The daily choices we make guide how we experience life and how other people experience us. Our inner life shapes our outer life. The backdrop of this morning's gospel is a vineyard, a setting that Jesus uses more than once in his parables. In a vineyard, it's possible for good things to grow or not. You can care for your vineyard or neglect it. You can hoard its fruits or share them with others. As a rabbi, Jesus would have known the parable of the vineyard included in this morning's Old Testament reading from the book of Isaiah. In a similar way that I'm standing up here using the book of Matthew to explore God and the human condition in our time, Jesus, the rabbi, would have used the book of Isaiah to teach about God and the human condition in his time. Jesus tells his version of this parable in the same chapter of Matthew in which he cleanses the temple. He's trying to make a point to the religious authorities. Scholars refer to Jesus' telling as, quote, the parable of the wicked tenants. It's a violent story with a harsh outcome. Towards the end, Jesus quotes Psalm 18, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Part of what Jesus is opposing is the mindset of people 
who define themselves by what they reject rather than what they're for. We need to do a better job, both as individuals and as a Christian community, of articulating what we're for. What is your vision for yourself? Who do you aspire to be for your family and friends and community? What do you want them to remember that you stood for? We should ask the same questions about Christ Church. How is it that we hope to be known? Our New Testament lesson is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. In what might be his last piece of writing, we find Paul in jail with every reason to feel bitter. And yet in the verses that follow this morning's reading, Paul tells us to be known for being honorable and just, pure, lovely, and commendable. In another of his letters, this one to the church in Galatia, Paul puts even more of a fine point on the characteristics that define a well-lived life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we say that we care about possessing these values, which Paul calls fruits of the Spirit, in what ways can others see these values exuding from our lives? I think that we tend to want love, joy, and peace in our lives, but we often take circuitous routes to get there. We undermine ourselves regularly in ways that are self-sabotaging. We claim to value patience, and yet we struggle with the guy that insists that we give him our change. Or when the line at Trader Joe's wraps back into the dairy section, or when the decision of whatever committee doesn't go in the direction that we wanted it to. Are we kind? I'd say that we're most kind when our kindness has the potential to get us something that we want. Many of us default to thinking of kindness as a feeling, but kindness as it's used in Paul's list has the quality of a verb. We are always to act kind whether or not we actually possess feelings of kindness. Are we generous, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled? We teach our kids to be gentle, but we caution them not to be too gentle so as to avoid getting run over. I'm not claiming that in order to be a Christian, you have to be perfect at any of this. Nor am I saying that if you're feeling depressed, or if you don't feel like yourself, then a little more Jesus will turn things right around for you. What I'm getting at, however, is that these are fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, meaning that when we listen to the stories of Jesus and try to incorporate their wisdom into our lives, these values will begin to shine out from us. We're not let off the hook 
by saying that our temper or our sharp elbows or our criticisms are just part of who we are, pieces of our personality that we can't change. Both Jesus and St. Paul hold us to a higher standard. They maintain that our true selves are known by the values we stand for rather than what we don't like or what we're against. They both believed that it's always possible for us to grow. Walking through life complaining about what we do not like is not congruent with a growth mindset. So listen again to this ancient wisdom. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. In the name of God.